You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. And we are back here on the GM Shuffle. As always, we appreciate the support. Please go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review. Honestly, that's the way the podcast grows. So I'm always curious, as is Mike, to see what kind of feedback we get, what people like, what people don't like, because honestly, we're always open to whatever you guys like. As a matter of fact, I'm checking it right now, Mike, and here's one here from Hearing 3. I still enjoy the show, and now that the season started, the pace of the podcast is better, but still too fast. Now that the season started, the content is more interesting. I do enjoy The Sopranos and Godfather references. So the pacing is a little too fast for this guy. Well, we got to slow it. You know, we got to do it. Look, I think we should get T-shirts to just call the group the Shufflers. I mean, that's what we are. We, we ought to have, like, we might want to write a screenplay called the Shufflers. You know, people that listen to this, the GM Shuffle. We'll have a, like a T-shirt. We can get Joe to make T-shirts up the Shufflers. That would be a good idea, right? Don't you think? I do like that idea. Here's another one here. He goes, like, now this guy says, I like the content and the pace. What I can't understand is why Mike has to curse like he's a sailor. On today's <laughs> show, he dropped the F-bomb two times. Why? Makes no sense. It shows a lack of self-control. I expect more from Mike and really wish he would stop with the cursing. There's a real Puritan voice. Is that Millie? Did Millie write that? <laughs> Is it, does that sound like by a man? But really, Millie wrote that. Like, she's on my butt all the time. Will you stop cursing? I mean, you know, will you stop? Somebody asked me about it. I go, listen, he's passionate. Lombardi's speaking his mind. When you're passionate, do you not use profanity once in a while? That's how it happens. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't help myself. I, and he's right. It is a lack of this. I should calm down. But sometimes you just get, like, you get so upset with this. I get up so upset with the politics of things in the NFL. I think I get so upset with the fact that there's double standards, like, you know, it drives me crazy that, you know, the Redskins are so bad and they don't do anything about it. It drives me crazy that, you know, the, the Broncos are bad and John Elway won't admit it and he's too busy doing farmer commercials. Like, to me, there's things that drive me crazy. Like, like I'm not envious because I am really in the, that, the best place of my life writing and doing all mm -hmm. that. 
and I don't want to go back, but to me, I get really annoyed by the double standard and the, and the political. Like I say this all the time, the NFL is a job that you have to be elected, not selected. So you have to carry the Southern primaries. And if you have a good PR campaign and you're really well connected with certain writers and you're leaking stuff to certain people, you know, you could, you could have five bad drafts like Jacksonville Jaguars and nobody's going to say a word to you, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, and so it's very that, – that's, that's when my ire gets up. Like, are you kidding me? Like, are you just evaluate this, please? Like, I get this, all this conversation about Jared Goff and you're too hard on Jared Goff. Look, I, I don't think I am. I think the fact that Sean McVay is a great coach, I think he's made him into the best he can. And I think the fact that they haven't been able to, when they can't run the ball, golf can't carry the team. And I don't want to pay $180 million for that. Well, then somebody says, well, well, what's your answer? What are you going to do? Well, you know, like that's insulting to me because if we can't find another player, then what good am I? Right? Like what good are you to be a personnel guy if you can't find a guy equal to or better than? Yeah, that's the whole point of evaluating. Right. And as far as the games this weekend are concerned, we're going to talk about Packers at Cowboys, which I think is going to be a massive game, going to be a ton of fun to watch. We will talk about Jay Gruden, the Redskins, and the Broncos tanking. But where we begin, Mike, is the fact that with our Make Me Smarter segment and all these winless teams, now currently there are six teams, zero wins. We're at the quarter mark of this NFL season. The Falcons could easily be the seventh. They barely beat the Eagles in week two. And you can't say it's kind of like the haves and the have-nots. Baseball playoffs have begun, and you saw a bunch of superpower teams like the Yankees and the Astros and the Dodgers, and then a bunch of bad teams. But in football, you don't have these superpower teams. You have 13 teams that are 2-2. Two and two. And so there's a ton of mediocrity. How do you explain, Mike, the disparity? It's not even haves and have-nots. It's average teams and a bunch of lousy teams. How does that happen? Well, I think if you read the book by Chip Conley called Wisdom at Work, uh, he, he'll explain it, even though Chip Conley has nothing to do with the NFL. He'll explain exactly why. Because we are in a gener- we are in a generation of experience doesn't matter to owners. And we are in a splintering. You know, when when you want to control things, how do you control things? You splinter the organization. So you have everybody below you and doing different things. The NFL is a paramilitary organization. You've got to have one supreme commander. That's not the Dave Clark Five. That's a line from <laughs> Sopranos. <laughs> you know, it ain't the Dave Clark Five. You got to have a military commander. And what we see in the NFL, like let's say Cincinnati, Zach Taylor, wonderful guy. I'm sure Zach Taylor is a great kid, right? Never been a part of a winning program. Was University of Cincinnati's defensive court, offensive coordinator. And I think they finished 119th in the, in college football and offense, you know, so, and he becomes a head coach. We are a league that is splintering leadership. We're hiring scheme coaches. Because that's what we believe wins, you know, the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator. Instead of trying to hire really good leaders, guys that can lead and, and demand things from players. And I think this is why the gap is widening. This is why Belichick's got, you know, he's got 78 wins in the last five years. And the next closest competition are now the, are now the Chiefs at, 50, at 59. So, I mean, he's lapped the field tremendously. And, and it's getting easier for him because we're seeing less and less guys with experience that are not back in the league. You know, you get fired and, and these guys hire GMs or hire head coaches that truly don't have any experience and they're operating on the job on the first time. Zach Taylor, for example. You know, and then you say, well, how do you explain Vic Fangio? Well, I can explain Vic Fangio. I mean, John Elway's done a really bad job at picking players. I mean, I could explain Vic Fangio really good. That team's not very talented. You know, and so when you're looking at these teams and you look at these winless teams, you have to ask yourself, is it players? Is it coaching? Is it scheme? And most of them, most of them are all three. Here's what's fascinating is there's no division that's more married to mediocrity, Mike, than the division right now 
when you look at the AFC South, the Texans, the Colts, the Jaguars, and the Titans are all two and two. And you could all make a case for each of those teams as to which one's better. I mean, if you look at point differential, if you look at, if you look at point differential, the Titans are actually plus 29. So you say, okay, they're the best team there, and the Colts are minus eight. Uh, the Jaguars have actually won two straight games, but I can't see them winning the division. But each of those teams, Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Tennessee, all married to mediocrity, and yet one of those teams is actually going to win the division. Yeah. Which one do you actually like the most? Maybe the Colts? Uh, you know, I do like the Colts, even though I think the Colts must change. They they have to be a little bit more diversified on defense. If they're just going to play Tampa, two, and they're going to play cover three, and a little bit mix in a little, then they're, they're just too easy for most good coordinators to dissect and take advantage of. And that becomes a problem. They've got to mix it up a little bit. They've got to take some different things, and they've got to move around. When your scheme's too easy on defense, you play fast, but you also give really good coordinators a chance to take advantage of you. And I think John Gruden took advantage of him last week. I mean, I would like Houston more. I would. I would like Houston more, but the problem is Houston's so inconsistent. Last week they have a chance to make two big plays down the field that Sean Watson overthrows them. That cost them their game. I don't have any faith defensively that they're going to be good enough. Tennessee, to me, is is they would be perfect if we played in 1970 because they want to run the ball. All this conversation about Mariota played good against Atlanta, if you watch the game, you know, there was a lot of yards after the catch. A.J. Brown did a hell of a job breaking tackles, you know, against a bad Atlanta secondary. And then Jacksonville, to me, if you ask me, if Minshew's healthy, I might say Jacksonville's the best team because at least they now have an offense where Fournette's in the deep eye, they have a fullback, Minshew can make enough plays, and if their defense is good enough, and here's the real, that's the real issue, is their defense good enough? Because I think if you pay attention closely in the league, if you go back and look at all the Pete Carroll defenses in the NFL right now, Seattle, Jacksonville, the Chargers, they're struggling to get off the field. They're struggling to win. That You've got to be a little bit more diversified in your scheme to be able to win that way, and I think people are taking advantage of that. So that's the only, only thing that I worry about with Jacksonville. Are they diversified enough with their coverages, and can they handle the things? I think they're talented enough to do it with Minshew at quarterback. Okay, let's get to the Broncos, man. Because, by the way, Gardner Minshew, I think, is the offensive rookie of the year as you look at the quarter poll this season. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Think about this. Now, Here, here's what drives me crazy about the NFL, and you wonder why I curse. Mm-hmm. Here's Gardner Minshew picked in, what, the sixth round, fifth round, sixth round? He might be offensive rookie of the year. And let's give Jacksonville all the props for taking him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they took him. They liked him. And yet, what about these? Te- what does that tell you about your personnel department when you let this guy walk through? You, you pass on this guy, right? And so instead of sitting there saying, "Well, Jacksonville got lucky," instead of sitting there saying, "You need to go back and figure out why, why you missed on this player," and and I know why most people miss on players is because they won't believe what they see. They can't believe it. The, the best thing you can do is listen to the Mike Leach interview when Mike Leach is talking about what scouts asked him about. If there's not a bigger indictment on college scouting than that Mike Leach five-minute clip on when he was asked about what college scouts, it is. And Like if I'm Miami, AD, I would spend $5 million and I would try to find the best way I could use analytics, use a different variation, try to come up with, try to eliminate confirmation bias, do something because I have all these picks and I can't blow them. I can't blow them. I got to make sure I hit, and I would do as much research as I possibly could. I think the bigger the, the issue is here is most people don't want to learn from their mistakes, and so when Minshew goes in the fifth round, they say, "Well, he's not very good," you know. Meanwhile, Dwayne Haskins can't complete a pass, you know, and so you're wondering like, what's going on here? Like, how is this difference? How's this variance going on? 
And, and I think you got to really spend some time studying it. And that's the problem with the NFL. Nobody does. Here's the thing that cracks you up. We are in the inform- – when you're a college director, a pro director, a general manager, your job is in the information business. You are in the information business. You are in data analysis. And if you don't try to use analytics to help you use the data analysis, you really, really, really don't understand what you're doing. Yeah, you look at what's happened in baseball, right? Billy B and the A's, it was always about data analysis, you know, using zero metrics, using anything you could to kind of get the edge on people. And you're right. If you can't go by the numbers, if you can't go by the eye test, et cetera, you are doomed to failure. And and you look at the Denver Broncos as we continue our Make Me Smarter segment. And what's the situation ahead of them? I want to go back to Belichick for a second because this was in Gridiron Genius, your book, which is now available in paperback. People should check it out. This is, I have the hardcover here, page 73. But listen to this. I'm going to relate it to Denver, Mike. The truth is you aren't officially an NFL general manager until you've made a huge blunder on draft day. It's just part of the gig. The best GMs just accept a mistake as a bad day at the office and move on. Bill Belichick will be the first to admit he blew it when he blows it, such as the year he selected Boston College defensive tackle Ron Brace in the second round, a pick Belichick calls his worst ever. Being able to talk about his mistakes, in Belichick speak, I F that up, makes it easier for him to hold honest discussions as a matter of course. And it is those discussions that minimize bad decision-making. I mentioned that passage to relate it to John Elway and the Broncos because it's an indictment of the fact that Joe Flacco clearly wasn't their quarterback of the future. And now should they tank, so to speak, and trade guys like Vaughn Miller and Chris Harris? I think if he does that, then he admits he doesn't know what he's doing. And then now he's playing in an arena that he doesn't have. To me, the number one problem that John Elway has is he, he was an ex-player, so he thinks it's easy. He thinks because he played, he can come into the front office and it's really easy. And then he really got intoxicated. He got drunk, actually, by Peyton Manning winning. I mean, that really sent him into a tailspin because he really couldn't figure out why he won. I mean, he couldn't figure out why he won and why he lost. I think he's won 51 games with Manning and he's won 21 without him. I mean, he couldn't figure out why he won and why he lost. And so that's his biggest issue. Here's what the general manager's main job is. You know, it's funny. On Twitter, people will say, well, Lombardi, you pick this guy or you pick that guy. Great. Make all the fun you want of the picks, right? The number one job of a general manager is to make sure you are building a culture and a philosophy within the building. This is who we want to be as a football team. When Bill Belichick goes into the Hall of Fame, I have a piece of paper in this office, in my detective office here in Ocean City, that I have saved, and I am going to give it to the Hall of Fame. And it is on that piece of paper that lie the Patriot way, which is, was the Brown way at one time. It was what kind of football team we were going to build. And then we developed the grading system that's still used in Alabama. It's still used in New England to develop the fine players to do that. John Elway's never done that. And so now he's just, it's all about picking players. It's all about how do I fit this? And so then the question begs itself: should I trade Joe Flacco? What do I do? I mean, there's no plan, and and this is the most important thing. You can't confuse hope for a plan. And the Broncos just are hoping that they find the right player, Von Miller this, Bradley Chubb that. They have no real sense of what they want to be as a football team. It's so obvious, but it's not obvious. And then the fact that they have no owner makes it easy because then Elway has no accountability to anybody. And nobody really takes anything. Everybody walks around the building wondering what John thinks. What does John think? What does John think? Like, that's not the case. The case is it should be what John, what the organization believes, not what John thinks. It becomes too self-serving. 
And speaking of self-serving, I think that would often be words you'd use around the Washington Redskins franchise and Daniel Snyder and that whole regime there. It's an absolute mess, and I'm curious, Mike, what you think about Jay Gruden's comments. I actually kind of found them funny. I'll be totally honest. It's refreshing. Even though if I was a fan, I'd be appalled. But I, I, as, a, as an observer of the league, as a fan of the league, I laughed. This was his quote when he told reporters on a conference call about the Washington Redskins plan at quarterback. We don't have one right now. I'm going to go out here at practice today. We have individual work we're going to do. We want to see the health of the guys, first of all, see where Dwayne's at. Then I'll make a decision shortly. I mean, the fact that they, he's readily admitting we don't have a plan. You've spoken about the lack of culture of the Redskins. How does the GM still have a job? And I'm, as you've mentioned before, Jay Gruden probably wants to get fired. Get me out of this mess. Get me out of this quagmire. It's a disaster. Yeah, I don't think one thing I think about Jay Gruden, I think most people that listen to the shuffle would agree. Jay's not a poker player, right? Like what he just said there is what he thinks. Like he's not bluffing. Like like one thing about Jay, if if he's got a good hand, he'll probably put 50 bucks in the pot, right? He's coming hard. He's coming heavy or he's not coming, right? How much, how much ZD do you want? If it was like the Sopranos poker game or Frank Sinatra Jr.'s bang, he's yeah. showing his hand there. Yeah, exactly. He's He's showing. He's coming heavy, right? I mean, this is no doubt – this is exactly what's wrong with the franchise. They have no plan for anybody. They draft a player, and then they just hope he's going to come in and be a good player. I mean, it's a disaster. And you can eliminate Jay Gruden all you want. You're just not going to eliminate any of these Washington Redskins problems. They're just going to keep continuing on and on. This week, they'll go and play They'll go and play in New England. I think New England's a 15-point favorite. I mean, look, I would, I'm not a big believer in taking, giving away a lot of points to the home team on the road. I would take the Patriots in this game because I don't even think they, they're going to keep it close because they don't even know what they want to do on offense. They don't know what, who they are, what they want to become, and everything that they've worked on in the OTA days, everything they've worked on at training camp has been thrown out the window because they have no idea who they are. It would be like a, a teacher having a planning lesson and she starts it in, in April or, or May, and then all of a sudden by the middle of uh, September she says, well, that planning lesson was stupid. Let's go back and try something else. Like, really? Is that going to work? <laughs> You know, you can't do that. That's the Washington Redskins. They're, they're the farmer that plants a field, and then they dig up the roots to see if they're growing. I mean, that's who they are. They have no idea. Yeah, and, and as you said, there's no way to solve it. Like, sometimes when you have a bad team, you go, it's okay. I don't mind that we have a bad team because we're taking two steps back. We're going to take a step forward, and things are going to work out. In the case of the Redskins, there's no plan. There's no hope. There's no reason to believe you're going to solve this situation. That's what's most dispiriting. There is no reason to believe. I mean, there's nothing. I mean... You know, the fans, it's it's really, and people on, on Twitter that, that actually think that, that, you know, well, you're just being hard on them. No, I mean, look at look at their record. They're 59-93-1 and one over the last, since, 19, since 2009, the last two games of 2009 moving forward. I mean, they don't have any chance to ever get better, you know, and every decision they make is the wrong one. I mean, they should hire, they should really hire uh, George Costanza and just do the opposite. <laughs> like, they should just do the opposite. You know, we should do this, and then, that, then somebody in the room said, well, let's just do the opposite. They might actually be better. They're Washington opposites. That's what we should call them. Do that, and then we'll be the consulting firm. We'll be Vandalay Industries. We'll be the one helping them out the entire time. We could definitely do I that. Love it. I mean, it's just, I, I think it's really, a, you know, and here's, they can't figure out why they lose, and so how can they possibly figure out why they win? Well said. Coming up next, Packers face off against Dallas on Sunday. It's the matchup of the week. Mike and I discuss that game and more after the break. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. 
my daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem, you know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body and a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle code 25SHUFFLE. All right, now it's time to get in some games, including the Packers at the Cowboys. This will be the game of the week as you got two of the best teams in the NFC is Mike said last week he really doesn't feel like there's a strong team in the NFC. I would say Green Bay is, I think, the strongest right now, even though they're coming off that close loss against Philly at Lambeau. You had the Bears as your third as far as the top three are concerned. But listen, this is a heavyweight matchup here. As I mentioned, this is a quarter pole mark of the season. I would put Dak Prescott top three for MVP right now ahead of a guy like Aaron Rodgers. But he has taken advantage, Mike, of some porous defenses so far. Now you get Dak versus Green Bay's D. How do you equate this one? I think this is a hard game for Dallas, only because I think Cam Fleming playing left tackle, that's going to be really problematic for them. They're going to have to really do a good job of protecting him. And I'm really anxious to see what Kellen Moore does against another good defense coordinator, Mike Pettin, with all his blitzes and all his run stops. I mean, last week, Zeke averaged, what, 1.9 a, a, a carry, couldn't really get going, and they really blitzed him out of it. The, the, the Cowboys are 1-2 and two versus the Packers since, oh, since 15. And I really think that this Cam Fleming having to play left tackle forces them to be a little left-handed in formations. They're not going to be able to let this kid stay out on the island or else Preston Smith or Zadarius Smith, one of the Smith brothers, will go right by him and sack, Dak, sack, strip, fumble. You know, my instincts tell me Green Bay is the real play here and take the points, and that's what I would like to do. Devontae Adams not being healthy is problematic for me. But I think that they'll move the ball against a zone team, and I think that they'll protect well enough. Rodgers with the day, with the time rest. You know, the key here is, and I'm going to keep saying this, the best way to play defense in the NFL is to play less defense. It's not about how – it's situational defense, no doubt. Play good in the red zone, play good all there. But you got to play less. And when the Cowboys play less than 30 minutes, they'll win. When they play more than 30 minutes, they won't win. And I think in this game, the Packers will make them play more than 30 minutes. I like the Packers and the points here. Yeah, Zeke, 14 targets in four games. That's not nearly enough. And Dak, as far as rushing the ball, because you say, listen, he can make plays with his legs. Only 12 rushes in four games, but only three the last two weeks, Mike. So that's interesting. If, yeah. if Greenby does a good job with their secondary, then all of a sudden he's going to have to create some things, and he hasn't done that recently. Yeah, that's the key. I think he needs to really move with his feet, especially in the red zone. And I think if you watch them play, I mean, they, look, you can say that, you know, the Miami game was a little misleading when you go back and study that on tape. 
And so I think to me they got to get Dak going and they got to run the football against Dak. Uh, they got to run the football against Green Bay. But I just worry about this whole Cam Fleming thing at left tackle. It's hard to replace your left tackle. It creates more problems. And the red and, and the one thing about the Packers is they've been able to rush the passer effectively. Yeah, that's where things get interesting because if you wonder with the pass rush, and again, it's going to be a very interesting game because as we pointed out, we don't really know who the strongest team is in the NFC, and I feel like in a lot of ways, Green Bay at Dallas could be a bellwether game. Speaking of bellwether games, who is the biggest bell of the ball than Patrick Mahomes? Colts at the Chiefs. Indianapolis is 2-2. Two and two. As you mentioned, a part of that logjam right now in the AFC South, and KC is 4-0. Patrick Mahomes right now, Mike, is on pace for like 6,000 passing yards. His completion percentage is off the charts. I mean, there's a reason why every time he's must-see TV, good luck for the Colts defense trying to slow down Mahomes. I don't think they will. And, I mean, here's the Colts. The Colts play too generic on defense. They play two vanilla schemes. And then they, where they really need to be very effective is in the red zone. They're 31st in red zone defense. It's one thing to play a base zone team, but then when you get down the red zone, you got to really tighten it up. They can't do that. But here's what I think they'll move the ball. I think they'll move the ball. They'll run the ball effectively on, in, on Kansas City. I don't think – and I think the line is, what, 11? I think it's up to 11. I like the Colts and the points here. I think they'll keep this game really close. I don't think they'll win the game. I think they'll keep it close. And then I also think anytime, even though Kansas City's 12-2 and on a spread run in the first five games of the, of the season or going back over time, I still like the, the, the Colts to cover it, even in a backdoor way, because I think the way the Chiefs play defense, you can move the football on them, and I think the Colts will move the ball on them. I think it'll be a hard game. I don't think they can win. But I think their defense will have to play much better, have to play better in the, in the red zone and control the football. But there's so many numbers that just go against the Colts in this game. That's why the line's so big. But I think it's a backdoor cover for the Colts. Yeah, running the ball on KC also be interesting. Chiefs are 31st in rush defense on first down. I mean, that's a glaring stat, isn't it? Like right out of the gate, obviously, you know Indianapolis is going to say, listen, let's just run the ball and try to wear down this KC defense. It's something to look forward to. Yeah, and I think to me, if you're if you're Frank Wright, you got to say to your, you got to say, look, we're not snapping this damn ball until three seconds are on the play clock. Once we run it on first down, we are going to milk it. We're only going to give Patrick Mahomes nine. We're going to give him nine possessions. Maybe we'll try to get it down to eight possessions. Like when I go and look at the stat sheet Sunday night, the first thing I look at at the Kansas City game, I look at how many possessions they had in the game, and if they have too many, last week I think they had thirteen. If they have too many, you, you, you're not playing the pace of the game. It would be like going to play Golden State and saying, okay, we're going to play Golden State and just play up-tempo. Well, you're not going to beat Golden State playing their game. Like, you're not going to beat the Chiefs giving them 14. You're not going to possession them. They're better at offense than you are. And so the more possessions you give them, the more at-bats you give them, the better off they are. Only makes sense. Uh, by the way, we should mention, you mentioned the spread at 11. What are your picks so far, Mike? Because all the gamblers listening are saying, listen, you've been really good at this. So what are the numbers so far to back up what you're saying? I'm at 11 and 5. I'm 11 and 5 overall. You know, and four of those losses came at the hands of John Elway's Denver Broncos. And I'm an idiot for picking those. <laughs> and I didn't curse. I did not curse. I'm, I'm calm there. It further proves now why you have a vested interest in pointing out how lousy the Broncos have been. They've let you down. I mean, it's so disappointing because I thought they were, where I misjudged the Broncos. And I, get, I think, you know, I'm sitting here telling teams they need to go reevaluate themselves that's what i constantly do about what i'm talking about is like okay i thought this do i think this 
I really thought they were way better on defense. And where they're not good on defense is they can't play run defense. I thought they would be able to play the run. And they're not physical enough up front to play the run. They're too small at linebacker. They get they get really rolled over. And they can't cover. I mean, they really flat out can't cover if they get into a man-to-man game. And teams are taking advantage of them. They're not as good as I thought they were on defense. I misevaluated them, and it cost me four games. I apologize for anybody who went with me on Denver. Other than that, though, you've been rolling eleven and five. Let's talk about Jacksonville at Carolina. Two teams who are both two and two opened at three, went to three and a half in most places. You know, we dumped on Leonard Fournette a couple weeks ago. Then he goes out and has an unbelievable game, but still does not have a touchdown rushing the ball so far this year. And the Jaguars are at twenty nine percent on third down, facing a Carolina defense which is allowing just eight point one yards per pass play. So this could be a big challenge here for Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I think this is one of the underlying stories that nobody's talked about is how good Carolina's played on defense in their secondary. I mean, they held they held uh, the mayor of Munchkinland 127 yards. Last week, they really shut down Deshaun Watson. They did a great job on him. I think Gardner, Minch, Gardner McKay Minshew is going to have a hard time in this game. I think he's going to have a hard time trying to throw the football effectively on this team. Now, I know Kawan Short went to IR, so they lost the tackle. But I think, you know, the opponent quarterback rating is only 74.4. Uh, and they've done, you know, they've done a good job. They, you can run the football a little bit on them, but I think they'll play the run better at home this week than they have on the road. And I just think, to me, Allen's lost the ball five times in two games, four fumbles. This kid's got to hold on to the ball way more. He's got to be able to protect it. But I think they can throw the football effectively. I really like, I like Carolina in this game because I think they're playing better on defense than most people think they are. All right. Uh, also, they do have an issue, though, with sloppiness, right? Ten fumbles, they've lost seven of those. They've got to clean that up, and obviously Cam Newton knows he's got to be better with protecting the football, right? No doubt. And, and really, Kyle Allen's taking the Cam Newton disease right off his hands. I mean, he's got to be able to, to, to be much better at that. So, look, you know, the one thing the Panthers are good at playing, uh, uh, they're playing, you know, close games. I mean, they've made four out of five field goals over 50 yards. That's pretty good. But here's the key point about Carolina that I think people don't talk enough about. They're the third best tackling team. I always look at yards after catch allowed. Like Baltimore's one of the worst teams in that area this year. They're horrible at that. And what that tells you is that tells you they're, they're not very athletic in their secondary. That tells you that they lack – when you can't make tackles and you're not a good tackling team, either you haven't worked on it or you're not talented enough. I mean, I know there's a service that has Baltimore as the number one team in the NFL. I don't know which tape those guys are watching. I really don't. How are they the number one team in the NFL? Yeah, I was going to say, listen, I, I like Lamar Jackson as much as the next guy, but you pointed out their defense looks a little more suspect than they have in years past. Oh, it's horrible. They're, they're not very good on defense. Again, that goes back to that whole PR campaign. You know, you have to be elected, not selected, AD. <laughs> and Tampa Bay 2-2 two and two is the next game we want to select as they're taking on the New Orleans Saints, who are 3-1. and one. The line opened at Tampa plus 4.5, went to 3, and now at 3. Jameis Winston is 10-20 and 20 on the road. But since four turnovers on opening weekend, just two since, and they actually should be 3-1. and one. They let that Giants game slip away. Really, that's a disappointment. They should have had that one. And I think Bruce Arians will do a good job in this game. I think he'll move the football. I think this is a problem for the Saints. I think you're going to see the Saints secondary get exposed a little bit here in this game. I think the Saints' defense is better at home, there's no doubt. They're going to have to pressure Winston. But I think the offensive line for Tampa has played much better. And they've been able to hold the football, keep their defense off the field. And the area of weakness for the Tampa Bay Bucks is their secondary. And it got, it's been exploited by, you know, the Rams last week. It's been exploited by everybody. But I think this week, I think this week, Tampa Bay, I would take the points in Tampa Bay. I think this will be a close game. I really do. I think Tampa Bay, Teddy Bridgewater, 
I'm not sure Teddy Bridgewater will be able to do some things. Todd Bowles knows Bridgewater. He had him in camp before he traded him to New Orleans. So I think he knows him. They've got to be able to pressure him a little bit with different front and keep him from throwing the ball down the field. I think it's a close game. I'm going to take Tampa in the points here. But I like since you mentioned uh, just a moment ago about tackling teams. In your estimation, Tampa, a bad tackling team, 30th in yards after the catch allowed, and the Saints, the second-best tackling team in the NFL behind Denver. Yeah, I mean, Denver tackles. That's the problem. They tackle, but they don't. You can't get off the field. Denver's third-down defense is killing them. And how about this? I mean, they, Shaq Barrett leads the NFL in sacks, and Denver had him and let him walk out of there. Think about that. Talk about One thing you have to be able to do in the NFL is evaluate your own players correctly. If you can't evaluate your own players, how are you going to evaluate other teams? Yeah, makes sense. And speaking of evaluation, NFL came down hard on this guy. Vontez Burfick, gruesome hit on Colts today, and Jack Doyle has gotten him suspended for the rest of the NFL season. Fair or foul? We'll discuss next on the GM Shuffle. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. As we continue here on the GM Shuffle, it's now time for Joe's question of the week. Joe, what do we got, man? So, Vontez perfect has been less than perfect, you could say. He has a history of recklessly hitting opposing players and being fined for it. Now, after this latest hit, he's been suspended for the rest of the season. Do you guys think the NFL made the right call, and will this have any effect on how players uh, hit other players going forward? 
I don't know necessarily if it has an impact on players going forward, Mike, but I do think it was the right call by the NFL. Mike, listen, this has been happening for a while. He's a repeat offender, Mike. When, whenever you look at a situation like this in which you levy punishment, you look at the exact act itself, which was gruesome. I think that's an accurate adjective. I don't think it's hyperbole. And then you look at past behavior. If you're a repeat offender, we have to throw the book at you, just like in the law. If you get caught once speeding, all right, you get caught for your third time with a DUI, we got to put you in jail. So I actually have no issue with the punishment. I think it makes sense. How about you? I do too. I think, you know, to me, the fact that, you know, look, he's been fined over $4 million. The fines aren't working, you know, and people are like, you know, people in high places in the NFL, powerful people text me afterwards and said, you know, if if this would have been the Patriots, you would have not said anything and you didn't say anything about the Jonathan Jones hit. No, timeout. Jonathan Jones hasn't been fined $25, right? He turned his, he turned his shoulder. It was, it was a tough hit. I didn't think it was as bad as it, as it ended up being. Burfick's been fined $4 million. Can you imagine being Burfick's defense attorney and saying it's, this is unjust? I mean, he's been fined $4 million over his career. He's one of the dirtiest players in the NFL. I don't understand how the NFL, the PA, is going to defend him. Why would they defend him? Do you want this in your league? Do you want him hurting other players? you want him hurting our own? This isn't about management. This is about helping our own players. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it, no matter how powerful the people that call me up and complain. Yeah, I, I totally understand clemency's second chance, but when you had second, that's my biggest thing, Mike, is repeat offender. If you say, listen, mistakes happen, it was a first-time thing, won't happen again, all right, I get that. We, we, everyone gets a second chance. But in this case, multiple times. Like you said, $4 million in fines, dude. Like if, if you're not getting the message across, you have to increase the punishment. That's very simple, whether you're dealing with your children, whether you're dealing with an NFL player. GM Shuffle mailbag, as always, you can email us, the GM Shuffle at gmail.com. This is from Sergio Durango. Hi, guys. I know Mike isn't a fan of the clapper, but given that most of the new coaching appointments are failures, where would Dallas find a better alternative? Well, I, you know, here's the problem, Sergio. The general manager, the owner, he's the head coach. I mean, really, all the clapper is, is he's, he's Cheech. He's the buffer. He's just the buffer. He's there to spit, clap, and say hello. I mean, really, that's what it, it, it's the Jerry's the head coach. You know, Jerry runs the program. There's nothing that happens in the building that Jerry doesn't say it's okay for. You know, and Stephen has his influence, but you know the problem is is to get somebody to come in there. You know, they they like what they're doing on defense. Chris Richards gives them what they want. You know, everybody's in love with Kellen Moore. He's caught like I've I've had this line now for five years. I said if you call three first downs in the NFL, you're a head coaching candidate. There's Exhibit A, Kellen Moore. He you know Exhibit A. Here's Kellen Moore. I, he'll be on some list. He'll get Bob Lamont as an agent. Next thing you know, he'll have five interviews with coaching jobs, and nobody will ask him any hard questions. They'll just tell him to draw plays on the board and see how that works. And then, then of course, when he goes and plays against really good coordinators, it's problematic. So I don't really have an answer for you, Sergio, because it's going to have to be somebody that the that the Jones family wants to control. Because the buffer that is Jason Garrett, he runs it. He's he does these. He's assignment coach. He fills the assignments. He does it. He doesn't ever walk in a meeting and say this is bullshit. We're not doing this. You know, he's like, okay, whatever you are, he's a waiter. Yeah. Ultimately, if you're waiting tables, it's not a good sign. No. You're the head coach of a football team. And yet, as far as the Cowboys are concerned, certainly had a strong record so far this season. So congrats to the Clappers. They try to keep things going. <laughs> Let's go over to college football, Mike. Number seven, Auburn at number 10, Florida. Huge game in the SEC. This game is coming up uh, this Saturday on CBS 330 Eastern. Listen, these are two of the top 10 teams right now in college football. And in terms of matchups and such, I mean, listen, Auburn's Bo Nix could struggle against Florida. But how do you like this matchup? 
I like Auburn's defense. I really do. I think Auburn's defense is going to be really hard for the backup quarterback. I mean, Felipe Franks wasn't very good when he played, you know, and then they get the backup comes in there. I think even though it's in Florida, I think Auburn's really nasty on defense. I I know the public's on Auburn's side on this game. It's three points, but I like Auburn in this game. I think Auburn, I think you're right, Bo Nix, I think it's their defense in the running game. And even though Malzahn gets all pissed off when you call his his offense a high school offense passing game, you know, it's still a high school pass. I was with a very distinguished, and I will not mention his name yesterday, a very distinguished Auburn alum. And he was bitching about the same thing I bitch about. So it's not just me. <laughs> Tigers with a true freshman quarterback, but I like that running game and a great defense. So you're right. A lot of people right now feel like maybe Auburn wins by a few. Also, top 20 matchup, number 14, Iowa at number 19, Michigan. Already concerns about, what a surprise, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan offense yet to really get on track. Wolverines, if they lose this game, I mean, at home against Iowa, you know, those big boys come in, those offensive lines try to push around a little bit. How do you size up this one between the Hawkeyes and Wolverines? I mean, everybody loves Iowa in this game. Nate Stanley's played really well at quarterback. I like Michigan. I think Michigan got their, their doors beat off of them, and I think that's a great lesson to have. I think Michigan will bounce back. I'm not in love with Shea Patterson. But I think Don Brown will know how to handle this Iowa offense. I think Iowa's a little bit the perfect kind of team that Michigan can play. They're not overly fast. They're not athletic in terms of what they do. You know, it's not going to be a run and shoot. They're going to try to play more conventional offense that, that typically fits what Michigan. It, it, this isn't like a 1990s game. You know, n- neither team really wants to be explosive, you know, run and shoot, thread it all out. I like Michigan to pull an upset. I think these rankings are ridiculous. I think if Florida's in the top 10, I, I don't even understand it. Like, I get Auburn. I think Auburn's one of the best teams in the country. You know, I like Iowa. I don't think they're the 14th best team in the country. Is Michigan the 19th? Maybe they're in the top 20, top 25. I think there should be – you should have a top eight teams in the country and then everybody else because these numbers are just meaningless. They're truly meaningless. Right. I mean, Kirk Ferentz's defense has been really good, but they haven't faced a real tough test this year. So to your point, number 14 just feels so arbitrary. Like, how the hell do you determine, yeah, okay, they feel like a top 15 team. Like, it's just all by feel. It's kind of bizarre. When I was a kid, the Dunkel ratings used to come out in the paper on Friday. And they would have like, you know, uh, Iowa's Dunkel ratings 93. And then, you know, they're playing Michigan. Their Dunkel rating is 127. So, you know, Michigan should win by 30. And then and you look at the thing and it would be the complete opposite. Like, who's rating these teams? <laughs> <laughs> evaluate the evaluator right that's a good point too exactly who's the one saying it do you judge them do you not judge them it's like with movies you know you and i are both going to be seeing joker this weekend full review on cinephile next week as always you can subscribe rate review and it's like well what'd you think well it depends on if you trust the guy's opinion who saw it i know you and i are both fired up by the way joaquin phoenix getting oscar buzz i am fired up millie and i are going to go today to watch joker now here's the thing i don't ever like if rotten tomatoes gives a movie a bad rating i'm probably not watching it yeah but like I'm not, I don't really judge it. I judge it by feel and you know, like interest. Like this is like the Judy Garland movie. I want to see that because that interests me, you know. And unless it gets like a twelve on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm going. Yeah, you know, because it interests me. And it, even if it's a seven plus, I enjoyed it because I wanted to see it. You know, God, how many times? I mean, the worst thing is the how many times you sit in front of your TV flipping. What are we going to watch? What are we going to watch? I mean, Goliath is out this week with Billy Bob Thornton. I can't wait to watch that. That's great. But other than that, like I'm struggling to find things. I mean, I got to wait for the Irishman. I mean, uh, you're you're a lucky guy. I, I wish I had that. <laughs> you are right. I'm lucky. It's going to be a limited release November first, and of course on Netflix November twenty seventh. Check out the full review on Cinephile. Rams Seahawks tonight, Mike. What do we expect so far? By the way, I'd put Russell Wilson in the MVP conversation. He's been sensational for Seattle. Oh, I, I would too. He's been great. I, I, here's the thing. I think, I, and I tweeted this out this morning. If anybody thinks that Todd Gurley's healthy. 
Then let, let me just give you this. He's had 49 carries in four games this year. That's just 12 per game. Last year at the same time after four games, he had 79. Okay? Since November 4th, 2018, when they played the Saints in New Orleans, Gurley's had 166 carries over 13 games. That includes playoffs. That's 12 a game. Now, you tell me something's not wrong with Gurley. And the longer that Gurley can't run the ball, it becomes problematic. And so when you break this game down, it's really, you know, McVay's 29 and 10 and he's 16 and 3 on the road. And when he loses on the road, he runs the ball 19 times or less. Now, after a 63 game passing game, I think he's going to run the ball this game and he's going to be able to run the ball against a team like Seattle that you think instinctively we all think Seattle's good against the run, right? We think Seattle can play on home. They're good against the run, but they're really not. I mean, the Rams have run for three, almost 400 yards in two games in Seattle. That's in Seattle, you know? And so I, this line opened up the Ram, the favorite, and it got bet way down to Seattle. I think the Rams steal this game tonight. I think it'll be a great game. I think the Rams will play a lot better, and I think they can run the ball on a, on a Seattle defense that is not great against the run. All right, look forward to the game tonight, Rams Seahawks. As always, you can catch the GM Shuffle Mondays and Thursdays. Please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Spotify and Radio.com as well. Mike, enjoy Joker. We'll talk about it next week. I will. And think about the T-shirts. Now, we got to get Joe on T-shirts. I think we should have a Shuffle T-shirt. We need a logo. We Because i got a Montgomery biscuit. I do a radio show in Montgomery. It's great. I love doing it down there. It's so good there. It's awesome. You know, I love Montgomery. I used to, when I was first started in the league, I used to go to the Blue-Gray game. That's where I saw Charles Barkley for the first time in my life. Jerry Angelo and I drove over to Auburn to watch a basketball game, and I witnessed this incredible man jumping out of the gym, and he looked like a fat, chubby kid, you know? He would have been the last guy you picked until you watched him play, right? And so I do the radio show, and they have a it's team there, the Montgomery Biscuits. Can you imagine this? <laughs> Let's go, Biscuits. That, that got me the idea. If the Biscuits have a T-shirt, the Shuffle should have a T-shirt. Have a great week, AD. The Shufflers. Oh, it's perfect. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE.